Welcome to the Purse Podcast. My name is Jana Hlistova and we are changing the conversation for women about money and investing. I'm super excited about my guest today, Tatum Getty. Tatum has built her career in marketing, working with brands such as Mattel, SoulCycle, Barry's Bootcamp, and Tonal for the past 10 years, scaling them from across the US and in the UK. She has an MBA from the University of Southern California and an undergraduate degree from Washington University in St. Louis. While helping build brands from the inside, she began angel investing in early stage startups focused on health and wellness, which were the building blocks for launching a venture capital fund with her two business partners in 2022 called Thena Capital. Athena Capital is a UK medical technology fund focused on investing in early stage digital and device companies in the health sector, adding significant value to founders as they build their go-to-market strategy and commercialize in this space and helping them scale into the US market. Tatum is passionate about closing the gender healthcare gap and Athena's foundation incorporates a gender-smart investment strategy ensuring capital is supporting gender-balanced teams and considering women's needs as a customer segment. The businesses they support address key need spaces such as chronic conditions, women's health, oncology, mental health and care service delivery with the mission to transform patient experiences. Now, in this podcast interview, we talk about Tatum's setting up her UK medical technology fund with her two co-founders, why they're applying a gender-smart strategy to how they invest, raising investment, finding the right investors, working with mentors and advisors, lessons learnt, and how women can start to invest in the startup ecosystem. I hope you enjoy this podcast interview as much as I did. Please note that this podcast interview is for informational purposes only, we do not provide investment advice. So Tatum, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really thrilled to be a part of this. And we're going to be talking about your new fund and we're going to talk about female investors and female founders all of my favorite topics. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you are today? And I'm curious to know what inspired you to initially become an angel investor and then to move on to setting up your own fund? I was in business school at USC getting my MBA and also had a boyfriend at the time who then became my husband years later. But I would say that in itself is a really critical point in which I was exposed to his family's large family office and the way they approach investing and growing generational wealth. And at the same time, going through the academia and knowledge learning of business that I was applying and you know building out my future career. So now in hindsight, looking back, I do think that was like a perfect recipe for what eventually led to my interest in angel investing. But after business school, I went into brand management and marketing at Mattel. 
And we then eventually got engaged and decided to start our family and married life in San Francisco. I always had a huge passion for fitness. My background was in figure skating growing up as a child. My parents were both athletes. So I was always working out and had an interest in health and wellness. And during my move, I was brought on with SoulCycle to be their first field marketing manager outside of their headquarters in New York when they were really early in their expansion stages and help. I was tasked with scaling the brand on the West Coast of the US. And four years working with them with a huge rapid expansion plan, helping them scale through private funding, really admiring the female founders who which then had the opportunity to sell and step down. And then part of the IPO filing for SoulCycle which kind of gave me a really large picture of working from an early stage startup to a major growth business. From there, I left to consult with various startups and brands who were launching or expanding, mostly in the wellness sector. And two of my clients included Barry's Bootcamp and another one, Tonal, which was going to market, raising a Series B round. So I had a lot of exposure to brands and companies raising capital and scaling. Then we moved to London about four years ago, and I became the director of marketing for Barry's Bootcamp in the UK. But really having this strong desire to get more skin in the game as I was seeing these companies and helping them scale. In addition, my family background has a lot of entrepreneurs. My father is an entrepreneur. My mom's dad was an entrepreneur. So I think that's kind of always been in my bones. And Again, I love working with startups and helping add value to them. My first angel investment was in the fitness space, and it was introduced to me through a family connection because of my strong experience where I could lend advice to the business. And it just really made sense to me on what they were doing. So that was in 2017 when I first made my angel investment and didn't really have a plan to do that. It just kind of fell into my lap at a time that I was really feeling like I was missing out on the equity in these companies that I was working for. So when I was in the UK and again, kind of doing what I'd been doing for the past 10 years and marketing with fitness brands, it became clear to me I needed to start thinking about my next step in not only growing my own personal wealth, but investing in things that I was super passionate about and interested in. And yeah, I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel like I had the tools for angel investing. I didn't really know what that meant in the terms of like, I didn't have my own personal wealth. I didn't know how to do diligence outside of fitness. And so I was introduced to a family friend who was angel investing herself while she had her long standing career in healthcare consulting. And she had encouraged me to join an angel syndicate. And so I did that with her and it really opened my eyes to the opportunities of angel investing and the misconceptions I had about it. And it gave me access to others who I could lean on for questions and support. And then what I learned from the process was how aligned and the value and complementary skills when you're looking at deals. And so that further then resulted in what eventually became a partner for my fund. That's an incredible background, a really interesting story about your life and how you got the appetite for working with startups and then to sort of flip over to the other side, which is the angel investor side, thinking about the investment and then the skills that you could lend these startups. Now, I like asking this question. It's an important one. 
but I do ask it a lot on my show. I know you're going to have a very well-informed view. Why do we need more women investors and how can more women join the startup investing space? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the catalyst as well for wanting to get into angel investing is I knew a lot of women who just were passing on the investment decisions for themselves or their families or whatever to men and just didn't make sense to me why were so many educated women passing this on. And so I think there's a lack of representation to know that we can make informed decisions and grow our own personal wealth. And it's just that one of the stats is that there's just less than 15% females BC in the US and then the UK, it's even less than that. And so there's a huge lack of female investors that ultimately has a ripple effect and an impact in companies growing and scaling. Diversity is super critical when it comes to successful outcomes. And there's so much statistics and evidence to support that. Women and men inherently think differently. We ask different questions and we understand products and services in different ways. And the way we experience them is different. And as a result, if more women were involved in investing decisions, then more opportunities could be captured and then a broader customer base could be met. So it has an impact on an entire value chain, getting more women interested in investing. I couldn't agree more. And I want to underline what you said there, which is we need more female role models and we need women of all ages who are stepping into the ring, as it were, and investing. You mentioned how important health and wellness is to you personally. And we'll go on to talking about your fund in a second. Your fund is focused on health and wellness, the health tech space. Can you tell us a little bit about this market? Why are you interested in focusing on women and how big is this opportunity from a market point of view? For me personally, focusing on women, there's a variety of reasons, but one, I would say I've had incredible opportunity working with female founders that have really showed me there should be no barriers (laughs) and women are incredible leaders. So that in itself was my representation of watching female powerhouses lead incredible companies. And then in terms of my interest in women's health and focusing on a lot of that space, it's it's just a huge market opportunity. It has been traditionally underfunded for years and years. Women have been under-indexed and then there's just not very much research because of it in women's areas. And because of that, just in terms of investing so much opportunity for innovation. And then the critical need that 51% of our population is not being met, which is just crazy. So I think our bodies are fundamentally anatomically different than men and should be receiving customized care as a result. So that in and of itself is reason that I think there's a huge opportunity. And the market size is expected to reach almost 1.2 trillion before 2027. So the market size is insane. And it's just important that we invest in it. So the more women we can get investing in these companies, the more we will make change in this space. And the sooner we can start investing into women's ideas, women's research, and then very early stage businesses, the more we're going to see the products and solutions that really cater to the female customer base. 
I'd love to move on to talk about your fund. It's called Athena Capital. I'm really curious in the backstory to you setting this up. I'm aware that there are is it three co-founders in total for this fund. Correct. I'd love it if you could share how you decided that the three of you would start this fund, how you potentially work together, your complementary skills, anything like that that you think might be relevant. It really came about our interests and alignment in the healthcare space and angel investment interests and growing our wealth. All of us are in our 40s and exploring what does our future look like because life is long. (laughs) And because of that, we're all related on so many levels. And on top of that, to, I guess, a thread to all of it, we met right before the pandemic. So I think that just really solidified, you know, not only a bond, because one of my partners and I, our kids were at the same school together. So we were homeschooling together. Our roles and our jobs were pivoting and working remotely, which is something we, you know, we just were bonding over life. And at the same time, for me personally, I could just such a reason that the healthcare system needed to improve. And I wasn't alone in that thinking. And patients now and consumers now are demanding so much more because we saw that things can happen very quickly when it's put under pressure. And technology is a catalyst to all that. So with patients now demanding more, the light bulb started clicking. And My two partners have strong healthcare backgrounds. One has a PhD in medical sciences and just very technical and understands a lot of the stuff that I don't know about on the regulatory and more medical side of things. The other one has been in healthcare consulting, both on D2C businesses, worked with pharma. So they both have different viewpoints and understandings of the healthcare industry. And then because of their consulting backgrounds, and then also I would say with my marketing background, market size and understanding of customer is like in our DNA and seeing where the areas of opportunity are. So that was probably the starting point where we were like, where is the opportunity if we were to start a fund? And with given our strengths, given our interests and given our passions, med tech seemed like the obvious fit, not only because of our skill sets, but also we saw a almost graveyard of funding in that early stage here in the UK. So the white space that we could target on the positioning map and meet a need that wasn't being catered to in the investment stage. That pretty much was the catalyst. And then in terms of what we ended up netting on with the thesis of the fund, we invest in early stage med tech, which looks at digital applications as well as devices that are fast tracked through regulatory. And we hit three pillars where we look at patient support, medical products and care delivery infrastructure. And then we have verticals such as women's health, oncology, mental health, chronic conditions, and cardiology, and other high areas of growth. But that will probably evolve over time. But those are the main categories that we are looking for innovation in. What did you have to do to get to the point where all three of you decided that this was what you wanted to do and that your next kind of career pivot, if you like, was setting up the fund, it was going to be in this sector and you were 100% on board? I think it's just one of those things you feel it in your gut. I think the two partners had worked together for 
over seven years at a consulting spinoff. And because of that, they had a really strong working relationship. So it really came down to the track record of the way we worked was proven out. I finally found the right people. So it just was the sum of the parts were greater than the whole. And it just made sense. So we just never looked back. That's phenomenal. And do you have a gender smart investing strategy? Absolutely. It's so ingrained in who we are. And it kind of came into the foundation as we came together, recognizing that we were three females. So how do we integrate a diverse thought leadership and team as we build and grow? So we're very thoughtful of the advisors we brought on board and making sure there was gender diversity in that. And, and we've had interns that we think about when we're hiring How can they think and bring different perspectives than the three of us as females? Even though we have cognitive diversity and different backgrounds, we're each from a different country. And then when we use gender smart investing into our strategy, when we look at our portfolio companies, we're really making sure that the companies are thinking that way. So even if they don't necessarily have a female founder, how are they building out their teams to incorporate more diversity? How are they? building out their board? How are they thinking about women as a consumer? Are they adding women to their clinical trials so that there's a full sample set to really make an understanding of if their product is serving everyone? It's not a mandate, it's an exploration. And we have a framework that we analyze companies. And what's important to us is do the founders have an open mind to see the value in this? Because there's a lot of evidence supporting diverse teams have better returns and more success. And in terms of how you're finding your investors, how do you decide who to approach? And not just because they're a family office or a high net worth individual, but more broadly in terms of that they share the same values and that sort of thing. Do you have a process in place or have you identified any patterns as you go through the process of talking to investors and raising money? Well, first of all, I don't think there's any patterns. It's literally like finding a needle in a haystack. So I think it's really (laughs) being able to just unlock and ask a lot of questions. For me, it also is something that first off the bat, it's are you investing in first-time fund managers or emerging managers? Because if it's not in their area of scope, then that's like an easy, I'm not going to waste my time. I think the biggest learning for me is making sure they talk first because it allows you to hear what interests them. And being a good listener can then really shape if they're a good fit or not. If you're not pitching at them, they really tell you what they want to do and what they're interested in. And and from there, by being a good listener, you can really hone in on the things that you hit on that are capturing what they're interested in. And if not, it's an easy, honest way to say, you know, I don't want to waste your time. Both our time is extremely valuable and wish you the best to stay in touch kind of thing. So I think uh, being quick to understand where and if you can fit has been a huge learning for me and hoping to just getting faster to that close is the goal here. Are you happy to share how much you're looking to raise and how long you're raising money for? Yeah, so we are raising 50 million pounds. Five zero? 
5-0, which I okay. recognize is ambitious for a first-time fund. And we have gotten advice, not from LPs that we are targeting, but just you know mentors and such, suggesting it will be easier if you could lower that number just to get the ground running and start investing and getting a track record. We debated about this for a long time, but we have such conviction that that is the number we need to truly make an impact in the med tech space at that early stage funding gap that I mentioned. And so, yeah, it's, I'm sure going to take longer because the size of our fund is bigger, but it's so necessary, we feel, to really do it right. It is ambitious. I love how ambitious it is. I'm curious about the advisors and mentors you have. You mentioned that you do have an advisory board. How do you find a good advisor or mentor, especially when you're starting out? These people are pivotal. Finding a good advisor and or mentor can make or break a company, a fund. It can make all the difference in the world. So how did you find your advisors and mentors? Yeah, that's a really great question. They are really important. And it has started, I would say, with our individual networks and relationships where we leaned on these and let everyone know what we were doing. In terms of advisors, I think it's really important to put it out there. And I guess even with mentors, but putting it out there vocally and explaining to people the type of support that you're looking for. And like I said, from a gender perspective, that was important to us. But obviously, from a skill set, we had very specific needs that we knew we wanted to address that would be complementary to what we were already bringing to the table. And so because of that, those are the three advisors we've chosen. And then we lean on them in different ways and incentivize them through Carrie. But in terms of mentors... Each of us have our own mentors that we've leaned on to support us, not only personally, actually, because I think that is something that's really important to find someone who can speak to you from a perspective of managing life from a career and familial standpoint and all the you know pressures that you're folding. That's helpful, especially when you have two partners that are equally pulled in different directions and sometimes you want to gut check what you want to say to them because it can impact the relationship. So a mentor is great from a personal perspective, but also then obviously from a career perspective. I'm fortunate enough to have a brother who is my valued mentor in venture capital because he's been in it himself for years and I've seen his journey and trust him to ask the dumb questions. And he's been a huge, huge support for me personally. And then the other element is I've just asked so many people who are experts in investing, experts who have been with funds or started funds for many years, and I think unofficial mentors and having people that just want to support you because they like you is really important and impactful. There are a lot of people out there who just want to help, who yeah. have a lot of joy from sharing their experience and their expertise. Absolutely. And I think if you express interest in their careers and genuinely take their advice and recommendations to heart, they're they're super open to making introductions and thinking. But if you don't take the time to tell them what you're trying to do, you can't expect them to be a mind reader. So don't be afraid to give them your ask as well. Yeah, really, really great advice. I'm wondering whether 
you might have a really big learning that you're happy to share in investing to date. Is there anything that might come to mind? And what do you wish you'd known then that you know now? I would say from an investing standpoint, I wish I'd started angel investing earlier on in my career, especially once I knew I had my finger on the pulse so deeply in a sector that I was working in, because it was very easy for me to have conviction on where I could predict the future of the industry. So if you're working in a specific sector and if something comes your way, I think that would be something I would recommend because I wish I had done that sooner. And then from a fundraising perspective, it takes longer than you think. So I didn't realize that as much as I can see it now, the importance of networking and relationships in VC. I think I had discounted VC as a career path for me very early on because I didn't view myself as a finance person. But what's been very clear to me now is VC is actually so much about relationships. And I love people. So that's something I've naturally done all my life. I think investing and starting a business is much easier to do with people. You hold each other accountable while also bringing a wider perspective and the opportunity to play devil's advocate, which I think is also helpful. So looking for the right partners with complementary skill sets. I think you have to think about, can you be married to these people for a lifetime? And so going back to my biggest learning, I'm grateful that I didn't start a lot of those business ideas I had early on because they didn't have the right partners. So I think finding the right partner is really important. And it's not something that you can just sort of snap your fingers and go, oh, yes, I've found my perfect partners. Sometimes it can take a little bit longer. Other times you look around and you suddenly realize, no, the people I speak to every day or who I run into as I drop my kids off, for example, they would be perfect. And it's amazing when it can come together so seamlessly. It's like dating. It's like you don't know unless you put yourself out there. But when you know, you know. (laughs) You touched upon the economic climate. We're not in an easy economic climate, especially if we think about 2021, which is very different. How are you thinking about investing now and raising in this economic climate? Well, we see this economic time, a huge opportunity for early stage investing, and especially in the healthcare space. Healthcare in general tends to be quite resilient when we're in a downturn because if we don't have our health, we don't have anything. So that sector, we feel very strongly that that's a huge opportunity, but then early stage, the cycle of it is actually hugely to our advantage. Valuations right now are lower than when we originally started. And past couple of years, they've kind of been insane and didn't really make sense. So I think there's a nice equilibrium to the valuations. And then also companies are learning to operate more efficiently with less capital because it's not as abundant as it's been in previous years. And early stage venture is a long game. We're here and thinking about companies where they're going to net out in seven to 10 years. And because of that, hopefully we'll be out of this downturn by the time that the innovation comes to market and scales as the economy is resetting. So we really think this is a huge opportunity to be starting and launching our first fund during this time. Despite the challenges fundraising makes, I think it's a huge win on our end. And many, many successful tech companies have been started during these recessions. Another company that I was a part of, SoulCycle, started in 2008. So I think 
it doesn't mean it's impossible. It, it's hard. <laughs> so if you can get through it and, and overcome the challenges, I think it's going to have a huge upside for us. And the question was definitely not meant to be negative. As you say, so many successful businesses, startups and funds are initiated during a downturn. And it's really where a lot of very successful founders focus on what they need to get done and they do it with minimal resources, really. And that's where if you can scale from there, you build the basics, you build the foundation. Then when everything gets easier, there's more money, et cetera, in the market, you're just going to fly, really. I want to thank you, Tatum, for coming on and sharing your journey to date. Before we wrap up, my last question, what advice do you have for women who have access to more capital and can invest in a fund as an LP, a legal partner? Funds are really an incredible way to diversify your investments with one check. It allows you to invest into really strong companies that you would not likely have access to from your personal network. If you've already been angel investing, it, it you know it takes time to get access to really strong and good deals. And so a fund is a great way to open that door to opportunities and also hand over the time it takes to do diligence with individual companies and consider all the risk factors. What I would recommend is considering funds that have a sector focus that you can really trust them to be the expert in. Generalist funds, you know, are great and, you know, have access to a wide range of deals. But if you're investing in a fund as a female, I think find something that you're really aligned with passionate wise or the team is really strong in that you can just have conviction they're going to do a good job in picking the right companies and do your research on these fund managers, not only from their investing perspective, but also how they operate. Do you like them? You're going to be locked into the fund for seven to 12 years, depending on their terms. So make sure you do your own due diligence on their team and their reputation, just as you would as an angel investor into startups. Early stage investing is high risk. So if you do do a fund that's focused on that, it's very likely that you're going to win some and lose some, but funds typically have done a lot of back-end work to get their investment strategy in a place to prove out returns to their LPs. So I think it's really great that women who have the means should consider investing into funds. Wonderful. If listeners want to find you, if they want to reach out to you, Tatum, how can they do that? Yeah, I have a presence on LinkedIn that I think is the best way. So feel free to connect with me. My name is Tatum Getty, and I have a focus on LinkedIn targeting female founders, women's health, and interest in closing the equity gap. So if you search any of those terms, I'm sure I'll come up. But yeah, I'd love to connect. And if you direct message me, we can connect on email if it's appropriate. Thank you, Tatum. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me online at Join the Purse or you can subscribe to our newsletter, jointhepurse.substack.com. Until next time, goodbye.